and welcome back to Bless You, the podcast where you tell us your juiciest stories and we get to dish on them. My name is Callie and I'm here with grandpa who is wailing in the background and Miss <laughs> Elise. How are you? Fabulous. Hi, grandpa. You lie like a rug, Elise Dean. I know. Yeah. I'm feeling someone called one of my friends called me today. She's like, how are you? I'm like, horrible, miserable, angry, sad, disappointed, grieving. She's like, holy shit. Are we okay? <laughs> Lots of emotions. Uh, yeah. Well, sparkle time. This is a, this is a sparkless week for me. And I'm very actually excited to have this conversation with Callie because like sleeves are up, boxing gloves are on. I'm ready to fucking do some work and yeah. teach people how to support people. Okay. Right. But first we're going to go into context and then I will share my sparkle and we'll get yeah. into that. Yeah. So if you listen last week, Carl and I had our embryo transfer. We had transferred our sweet baby girl that had been, um, she first came back, no result. We had to like thaw her, retest her, freeze her again. She came back healthy. And then we decided she would be the first one to go in. Unfortunately, she did not stick and I am not pregnant, uh, which fucking which is blows. And odd for you. Yeah. Every, this is the first transfer that I have done. Well, the first fourth transfer in total, but first one that I have not gotten pregnant from. So like that wasn't honestly like going into it. That wasn't even like a thought of mine. Like I didn't even think that that was a potential possibility. You know, they say like you have 70% chance that it's going to work. And with your, you know, history of getting pregnant, every transfer, like I would assume it was probably more than that. So we were like, I mean, shit, we like cleared out our nursery. I like bought fucking onesies. I like put my like 10 weeks, 15 weeks, 20 weeks on my phone. Like I was like, legit, this is it. This is happening. And it's not happening, um, which fucking sucks. We still have our healthy baby boy who was healthy from the get-go on ice, which is a blessing, but still exhausted and annoyed and want to punch someone in the throat. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you have a funky one too. Yeah. We have a mosaic also, which I'm learning more about. Um, I have a appointment with a genetic counselor just to like get info. So she's going to freak you out. No, I know. She's going to freak you out. That's her job. It's to scare you. Um, but it was one of the three people that they had recommended. So we'll just see, but I I'm glad that I'm like going in with knowledge so I can like have more questions. Totally. Um, for those of you who are super confused, by the way, whenever you go through IVF and do an egg retrieval, you then, so it, it is very, very tough to make embryos from an egg retrieval. Like you think that you go into IVF and it's like, whoa, we're done. It's like not even close. So you get eggs out. Yeah. And then those eggs have to be mature enough, meaning the right size. They can't be too mature. They can't be under mature, just the right size and strength in order to fertilize. Okay. Then you have to hope that they make it to day three and day three is a big day because if they make it to day three, technically you can transfer one of them immediately in like a fresh transfer because these little baby cells don't like being in Petri dishes. But after day three, they say that sperm starts to play the role. So fertilization up to day three is typically the egg and then sperm starts to take over at day three. 
you have a huge attrition rates usually at each step. So you'll lose some on day three, and then you'll lose a ton to day five. Day five is like, you've made it. We we're done. Some grow till say day six, occasionally day seven, day fives and day sixes. A okay. Day sevens. Usually they do, don't do as well. So then you can either be done and put all these in the freezer, like babies on ice, or you can poke them, literally biopsy them. A blastocyst, which is what you call like a, the stage of embryo has about a hundred cells. So you take anywhere between five and 10 cells, ship them off. And then they're tested to see if they're genetically normal or not. Um, you can also know the gender. This is how Elise knows that mm-hmm. they transferred a girl. And this is how she knows that the girl was healthy because they, they actually had to retest her twice. Mm-hmm. They had to retest her once, but they had to test her twice. Anyway, we did not test. Uh, that's a whole other story pretty much by accident. I'm not against it. I'm not really for it either though, because it, there's a whole thing where is it accurate or not? And then it doesn't guarantee anything. And, but then again, you know, what happened to, I mean, Elise had to suffer the worst consequence of not testing as well. So there are super strong reasons to test and, and not to test. I think it's just, it's such a hard call. Um, Yeah, dude, this whole thing, I I literally got a bill for $700 for assisted hatching for an embryo that did not implant. I'm like, that's, that's literally me giving away, like throwing $700 into the wind and being like, bye. Bye. I I didn't want to use you on anything else. Bye. Oh my gosh. I mean, the whole thing is so freaking stressful. And so we actually did PG test, um, PGT test one of mine and he's a funky little boy. So I don't, <laughs> a little funky. So I don't, I don't know if we'll see the light of day or not. And then the others we didn't test because I figured my results would be shit again. It would be too expensive, not worth it. And then we had better results and whatever. No, I'll just never know. It's a gamble. So anyway, this was a pretty devastating week. Yeah. For sure. And not only, and this is kind of what I like have had multiple meltdowns about multiple things, as you know, but you know, not, and I think this is like a good segue into kind of what we wanted to chat about, but you know, not only are you like going through infertility and all the physical strain, financial strain, emotional strain, the pain, the grief, the sadness, the frustration, the disappointment that comes with the fucking journey. But then you also have this like super overwhelming feeling of isolation and just like almost wanting to distance yourself from people in your life because like people don't get it. I don't literally no one except for like Carl and you and maybe my mom, you know, kind of understand my experience because you guys have talked to me every day and been with me every step of the way, you know, but it's like the majority of people who just like check in every now and again, or see a post and are like, Oh, I'm so sorry. It's like, I appreciate the sentiment, but like, you have no clue what I'm going through. And it's just exhausting trying to have to explain that to people, you know, that's called emotional labor. Uh, and that is what we're going to talk about today. I mean, to, to your point, Elise, I was actually talking to a friend of mine, actually a lot of my friends, um, are dealing with infertility and I don't know if that's a coincidence or if it's because we have stronger bonds 
because we get each other and because women who go through infertility become these like super warrior women. And they're just, in my opinion, so interesting and so courageous. And I just want to be around them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they, they let you be sad. They let you be mad. Nothing's too much for them. It's like, we have evolved into just yeah. a different breed. Yeah. And so I was with one of these friends and she has, she, her seventh transfer is coming up after three egg retrievals. I mean, it's just like so much. And, you know, obviously she has opened up to certain family members, certain friends, whatever. But she even said that her mom came out for one round of the transfers. And I don't, I don't know which one it was and it doesn't matter because they don't live in the same city. So mom came out, went with her to certain appointments, was there for kind of the whole process, witnessed it and even said, I'm so sorry. I've been with you these past however many years. I've I've felt the blows. I've been heartbroken. I've been there with you. But holy shit, I still didn't get it. Mm-hmm. This is traumatizing. I mean, mm-hmm. the appointments, like the fact that, you know, I think I had like a that saline sonogram. I mean, I'm pretty sure my doctor took her lunch break while she was hanging out in my uterus yeah. last time. Remember? I was like, good God. And I'm so desensitized. Like, yeah. just, I'm like, yeah, this is normal. Whereas like, I, like, you know, two years ago, I would have been like, get out of there, do your yeah. job, get out. <laughs> this, this is painful. And anyway, more to say that like even venting to friends and even talking about it to friends, it's, it's still not the same because there's so many layers of trauma to this shit mm-hmm. that it sometimes we forget. We totally forget that it's so nuanced and so complicated. Yeah. It's exhausting. It really is. And so I think today, should, yeah, yeah, I think we should tell well, people how to, should we start with how to not, what to not well, fucking say? Yeah. So Elisa's sparkless is that her transfer did not stick, which again, both of us, it didn't even cross my mind that it was like, I mean, I I think that we were both blindsided and I know that I have codependency issues because I felt like it was my failed transfer. (laughs) Like, uh, but I was like, this was it. This was it. Like what what the fuck? This was it. No, we had a conversation about this. This was it. We had agreed that this was it. Mm -hmm. Yep. (sighs) Yeah. So then my sparkle was, you know, Elise is really transparent about all this. And, and I think people listening would be like, well, you are too Callie. And it's like, yeah, but all of you, to you fools, like not to other people. Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't post about this on my social media. Uh, it's not that I don't talk about it in person. I do, but it's completely different sharing this stuff in person than it is, um, online and still sharing it via text and in person sucks for me because people say the craziest shit. I yeah. mean, they just say the craziest shit. And yeah. so when I saw this, was it this morning, Elise, that you posted yeah. the, what I, happened? I, yeah. I posted like a reel where I was like literally bawling my eyes out yeah. and it was not fun. It was not easy to watch. No, no, no. Even, even watching it again, like I start crying because it's yeah. like, that's so, I mean, that's like a hundred percent, like raw, real reaction and emotions. And mm-hmm. I had this. <laughs> well, okay. So my sparkle is, I don't even know how to put this, but it's more educational. I am fucking fed up with educating people, not only on infertility because as I just went, I gave y'all a five minute spiel on like PGT testing. I mean, it's just every step requires so much knowledge, so much explanation. So one, we're tasked with doing that, but two, you know, 
people say crazy shit and the emotional labor of educating people on what to say in the moment. And by the way, this isn't even about infertility necessarily. This is anyone going through a rough time. And so if Mm -hmm. you're in the trenches right now, hopefully you'll appreciate this rant that we're about to go on. But my sparkle this week is how to give someone the emotional support and space they deserve when they're going through hell. We're going to do some funnies, what not to say. Mm-hmm. We're going to do some really helpful what to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, there might even be some shout outs. So yeah. uh, we're both in a spicy mood. We're both exhausted. Yeah. And while I didn't have anything failed this week, I, again, am codependent. So I felt it too. So <laughs> what's, what's mine is yours, Callie. Yeah. It's, we, we have a shared experience. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Elise, mm. let's get started with the comment that was okay. left on your post. Today. So should I read it or? Yes. Okay. I'll read it. And then I'll just tell you like a couple other things that people have said on the fly that I just like literally blows my fucking mind. But, um, someone had posted a stranger. I don't follow her. I don't know her, but she says, I'm so, so sorry. I work with a lot of mommies heavy metal detoxes and cycling progesterone are two things that are paramount for pregnancy, which let me just tell if you, I have had a very extensive health journey. I've done all the fucking heavy metal detoxes. I know all the fucking things like I don't need no advice. And so I usually don't respond to these things, but I felt like inclined to. And I just said like, please be careful and mindful about recommending things to someone who's navigating an infertility journey without having any context about their situation. I have a great team and can promise you that heavy metals and progesterone are not the issue. And I just, I just feel like I, and I really do believe like it comes from a good place and people want to help. But I also had someone message me this week, um, telling me that I should look into pre-seed lubricant because she didn't have, she had two years where she couldn't get pregnant. And then she had sex one time with her husband and they used pre-seed lubricant and they got pregnant. I'm like, bitch, I don't need fucking lube. Okay. It's not a lube problem. Thank you. But like, go fuck yourself and shove your lube right up your asshole. Second, secondly, I have had people like encourage me to seek out surrogacy, people telling me that they would be my surrogate for me, people saying that they will, uh, you know, sit down with me and help me navigate the adoption process. Let me just give a PSA because Callie's going to be like the, like piece, like the, the actual context with this, but like anyone listening, I don't want your fucking opinion unless I ask for it. Okay. I don't need a surrogate. We're not ready for adoption. All of these things like, please, please, please just do not give your opinion. Do not cross that boundary. Do not cross that line unless someone asks for it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I mean, no one likes to be criticized or offered unsolicited advice in any situation. Um, but when it comes to infertility, remember this is, these are our bodies not doing what we were told they were going to do since we were, I mean, what, 12 and going through puberty. I mean, our entire lives we've been told don't get pregnant. Don't get pregnant. Don't let that happen to you. It's, it's it's easier than you think. And then it turns out, (laughs) no, it's not what a joke. And for some people it is and good for you. But when you offer to be someone's surrogate, it's a fertile flex. When you're offering what works for you, it's a fertile flex. 
It is not yeah. being helpful. It's actually saying I was there too, but I overcame it because I was and- smart enough to find <laughs> this solution. And you're a fucking dumbass for not <laughs> figuring that out yet. It's like, how is that helpful? And it, it implies that I'm not smart enough to do the research, that I'm not smart enough to advocate for myself, that I'm too dumb to have looked into alternative solutions myself. Trust me, I've read it all. Yeah. I have read it all. I am not an idiot. I am fully aware of what I need to be doing. I know what's going to help and what's not going to help. And when people tell me to relax Mm. Mm. and that Mm. I'm not relaxed and that's why it's not happening. I mean, again, the look on their face when I tell them the Gaza Strip repopulates itself all the time is, is not, is actually what I want to frame. I mean, their eyes just bulge. I'm like, there are like war torn areas where women are giving birth. You think that their life is a cakewalk? You think that they're not stressed? Do you think that they're not freaking the fuck out about their general security? I mean, talking about like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like they haven't even crossed number one yet. They don't even have fucking shelter and their bodies are still doing what they're programmed to do. It's like, that's not it. Okay. That's not it. Please. And thank you. Um, So yeah, if you find yourself talking about things and you uh, don't know what you're talking about, that's probably uh, a bad place to go. If you find yourself offering help and in the only way you know how to, and that involves giving me your body or sperm. I was offered sperm once. I was like, ah, yeah, no, thank you. Hard pass. Uh, like that's weird. Like, just think about it. Like take a step back and be like, Ooh, it's weird that I just did that. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, if you start to like, again, offer diet advice, body Mm. advice, Mm. exercise advice, kindly fuck off. You shouldn't be saying that to anybody let alone someone who's infertile. Yep. Uh, what should you say? That's a great question. I think my personal favorite reaction is fuck. <laughs> that is also love that one. By the way, Mary Ellen, <laughs> if you're a listening girl, I mean, I think she gave me one of the most beautiful fucks ever. And it was like the perfect response because it's exactly how I felt. It's like, what is there to say, right? I'm sorry makes you think that you feel bad for me and I have issues with that. I'm, it's fine at this point. I've learned to take it. It's better than, well, have you tried this? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm sorry is better than that. That sucks is also a really, really good one. Um, I'm sorry for your loss. If someone is dealing, you know, with grieving or a miscarriage because, and, and, and don't try and rationalize it for people. Here's the thing. Elise has had what you've called two chemical pregnancy and one like later term miscarriage and all of them sucked. I mean, yes, of course, one of them was probably more traumatizing for you. Sorry. I don't mean to speak on your experience, but like one of them involved medical procedures. I mean, of course, but I don't, think people realize the excitement and the hope that you get when you see a positive pregnancy test. I wouldn't know because I've literally never seen one, but I can only imagine how exciting that shit is for it to go away a few days later. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's devastating. And so if you, when you start saying, let's just measure cells, it's like, thank you for that, for invalidating. Yeah. All of and my hopes I and mean, dreams. regardless of I mean, I can't even go into all of it, but even with chemical pregnancies, like when you start to bleed, like you're not just like having a period, like you're like, it's horrid. And you know, the whole thing fucking sucks. All of it is fucking horrible and traumatic. And I would not genuinely wish my journey 
on my worst fucking enemy. Someone who is evil as fuck. I would not wish this on me. Yeah, even though a lady who is like toxic metals is why nothing's working. Like, dude, I mean, I don't know. I I I still wouldn't wish it on her. But like, I mean, even so, if that just goes to show that you have no fucking clue who I am, because if you were actually in my life and in my circle of people, you know that I've done 1500 fucking heavy metal detoxes and I'm actually toxin free. Thank you very much. You stupid whore. Like, well, I'm probably not, and I'm not going to do anything about it. So well, there's that. But the point is, is like, again, this can be uh, applied to really any tough situation, but just stay in your lane. You're not being yeah. helpful. In fact, yeah. you're undermining other people or you're making it about yourself. Um, you either want to prove how knowledgeable you are. You want to prove how helpful you are. You want to prove that you know more. Uh, but can, I, you, can, can I interject? Yeah. It's not about you. Exactly. That's it's not about thing. you. Anyone else's pain has literally nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. So just mind your fucking business. If you don't have anything supportive to say, don't say anything at all. Right. But again, supportive is under the umbrella of supporting feelings. Yes. Okay. So I support the feeling that you don't want to go to the grocery store. So I'm going to send you a DoorDash gift certificate. Yeah, that's good. Green check mark. I'm going to support your rage and that you want to sock every single stranger in the face. So I'm going to say, damn, that sucks. And then when I say something inappropriate, you're just going to be like, hell yeah. Right. <laughs> like I'm going to just support where you are mentally. And I'm not going to try and fix it for you and say, it'll happen when it's time. No, the time is now. The time was last year. The time is right fucking now. And so comments like that, not helpful. You're trying to fix it for me. Uh, Guess who's going to fix it for me. I'm going to fix it for me. You're not going to fix it for me. You can't do anything. I'm going to fix it for me. So it's astounding to me how many people don't understand this. Um, and it make, gives me so much more empathy for other people. Um, and frankly, you know, people who it, it also comes down to privilege as well. Mm-hmm. And women who don't inherently have privilege and talk about the emotional labor of having to explain how their life is harder than mm-hmm. other lives. It's like mm-hmm. bingo. The difference is Elise and I are choosing to share our stories. Some people don't have that choice. Uh, so I'm aware of that too, but I do think that this message can be applied to lots of different situations. And the best question you can ask yourself is, am I making this about me? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is yes, kindly be quiet. And if you're really genuinely not sure how you can be supportive, you can ask, you can say, what do you need from me? What would be helpful in this moment? If anything at all, like I'm here for you here for you. If you want to cry here for you to listen, like whatever, you know? Ask. Yeah. The last thing I'll say is all this information can be readily found on Google. So, uh, yep. if you're not sure what, uh, it means when we say something, and this is not like you and I, but if you, if, if your friend says something about, Oh, you know, my, my cycle was canceled because of a delayed response, then instead of being like, what does that mean? Did you know that you can Google that? Did you know that you can like actually like copy and paste your text and put it in Google and like figure it out? Like do that, do the emotional labor for people. I think that's the best way that you can support is don't put the burden on them to not only take care of themselves emotionally and mentally and physically, but you know, it's just like, do it yourself. (laughs) Take that off of them. Don't also have to, you know, 
don't make them educate you is what I'm trying to say. This is exhausting. Uh, all right. Now that that rant is done and we have two <laughs> listeners left, uh, let's go into, today we're talking about like, I don't know, like boundaries and like friendship. Uh, we've got two letters. So I'm going to jump into the first one. Perfect. We'll go from there. Okay, cool. All right. Dear blush, before I dig in, I have to admit that I am a sensitive person. I get my feelings hurt easily and it's something I'm working on. Okay. Now that we have that out of the way, here's what I'm struggling with. I have a friend who I've been friends with for years. I wouldn't say we are necessarily close. We are friends of convenience as she was my neighbor years ago. We were both miserably unhappy in our marriages and that seemed to bond us for life. That's a weird way of saying that. Okay. I've moved since then, divorced my husband, and I'm in an amazing relationship. She, on the other hand, stayed with her husband and is still miserable. When we get together, we fall into the same trap we fell into years ago, venting about our relationships, drinking wine, and having a major bitch fest. The problem is this isn't cathartic for me anymore. I know my relationship currently isn't perfect, but it's the healthiest relationship I've been in. However, when I join the party and complain about the little things here and there, she jumps on them and tries to convince me I'm just as unhappy as she is. She will insult my partner and assume that he does not make me happy. She keeps going back and forth about the divorce, but I know she will never do it. Yet she pushes me to leave every person I've been with. When I was with my ex, these conversations made me feel seen and validated, but now they just leave me feeling hurt and pissed off. I know she needs this friendship. She calls me at least once a week to hang out. I can't avoid her forever, but I'm slowly seeing how toxic she is. I feel so guilty for ditching her, but I don't know how to not take these jobs personally. Everything I say is used against me. How do I deal with this? Um, don't be friends with her anymore. <laughs> like, it's as simple as that. I mean, shit, any person that you are hanging out with where you consecutively feel like shit about yourself, about your life, about your relationship, that's a clear fucking sign that that's not a good person for you to be around. I think every relationship and friendship has a purpose, but you know, they're not all supposed to last forever and be the same forever. Mm -hmm. So like, it sounds like this person served a purpose in your life at a time in your life, but you fucking did something about your situation and she didn't. And so she's still projecting all of her misery onto you, right? Like misery loves company. Yes, it does. I will say though, that this person definitely trained her friend. And so she does have to take some ownership here because she was playing the game with her. And it seems like it's interesting. Sorry. I like made a comment during this, but I, what was the way that she wrote this? It was like, and it seems like it bonded us for life. Yeah. Is that what it was? Yep. We were both yeah. miserably unhappy in our marriages and that seemed to bond us for life. Like, okay, well, I guess red flag number one is you yeah. bonded on the fact that you were both miserable, which granted Elise and I have trauma bonded <laughs> as well, but we have other things in common. Thank you. It's not like our friendship dies. The second one of us graduates into, you know, pregnancy like, that's not how this works. No, you're literally uh, stuck with me forever. Yeah. And so, you know, if the only thing that you have linking yourself to someone else, and this happens a lot in workplaces mm. where like two people hate their boss or two people hate their job. And so they just come to work and then they like bitch and moan and like create kind of a toxic, we hate this place environment. And then what happens? One of them leaves, you know, goes on to another job. And then the friendship isn't there anymore because 
the common link is gone. Um, but usually one person has their feelings hurt and it's typically the person who's still there. Mm-hmm. Right. So this is like kind of the oldest story out there. Uh, it's pretty common, but the thing about it is that we have to, yes, I completely agree with you, Elise. It's like, okay, well, the friendship's dead in the water. So what are we mm-hmm. even doing here? I mean, you don't like this person. You've seemed like you've made strides. You're happier with your new life. Good for you. But the personal accountability that you need to take here isn't, I owe it to this person to continue the friendship. It's, I owe it to myself not to create a situation like this with a friend ever again. Totally. You know, I, again, I'm fine with trauma bonding. I'm a huge fan. I do it all the time, (laughs) but if that's the only thing connecting me to someone, then I know that I'm creating a toxic environment that's bound to either implode or explode at Mm. some point in time. I don't know when, I don't know what's going to trigger it. I don't know why it's not a healthy thing to do because it's either going to hurt yourself, but more than likely it's really going to hurt the other person because they're under the illusion that you've bonded over more than just common misery. Yep. Totally. And I'm getting like a little bit of like people pleasey vibes from the letter writer too. Like I feel so guilty for like not hanging out with her, but, and I'm taking everything personally. Like, I think that maybe I'm getting some people pleasey vibes. Like if, if this isn't a good friendship, which it sounds like, again, the only thing you guys are bonding over is misery. Like, you know, would you recommend even having a conversation with this friend and be like, Hey, I don't want to just sit around and like bitch about relationships anymore. Yeah. I mean, totally. One thing that you could definitely do is next time you hang out with this person, don't participate in the bitch fest and talk about, um, anything else. I mean, you know, sex in the, or no, it's called. And just like that, Andrew calls it. And that's what I'm talking about. And so, (laughs) and just like that is the craziest shit I've ever seen. I mean, the cringe is just like up to a new level and it had like a moment of being old school second city, but how are you like not talking about this all the time? How are you not talking about cheer season two? Like constantly just like 24 seven talking about cheer season two. I mean, there are so many cool things to talk about right now that yeah. don't involve being miserable in, you know, with men. Cause we're always going to be miserable with men. Like they're that that's just like, I'm pretty sure that's the rule that that's, we have to abide by. Yeah, that's, that's, that's on the marriage slice. That's on the contract that you signed. Yeah. That's just like, they're mad. Like, yeah, they're stupid. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's, that's not interesting. And so if you haven't at least tried to steer the conversation in a more positive direction, that sucks. Why aren't you doing that? Uh, if, if it's because, well, she needs this time to vent, guess what? Uh, you can pay us to listen to it. Yeah, she can can work with a life coach. She can get a therapist. She can get someone that she paid. I mean, that is why coaching and therapy are so great for that reason is there is an inherent boundary. You pay me and then you can say whatever the you want and no one's going to resent you for it. It's great. So steer her in that direction. I mean, this is why you shouldn't be playing therapist with your friends because Mm -hmm. ding, ding, ding resentment, right? Yep. And then you get really upset and then the relationship goes south. So Um, I would say, give it a shot and see where it leads you. It might be that y'all are just like stuck in a rut and don't really know how to break the cycle. So again, may I recommend cheer season two, you got to watch season one. Oh my gosh. It's so good. I literally binge watched the entire thing in a night and a day. Did you watch this, the season finale full out routine? 
yeah, a million I, times. I literally like was sweating. Like I had to oh, like, me too. I, I cried afterwards. Like oh, it me was too. like, I mean, so. Okay. No spoilers. I'm sorry. But if you haven't seen it, like and he, and anyone who's like, well, I'm not into cheer. It's like, okay, well I'm not either, but it's that good. The editing it's, is, is unbelievable. Yeah. It's, it's oh. insane. So yeah. Give it, give it, give it a shot. Give it a shot, please. Uh, if it doesn't work and you're realizing y'all have nothing in common and this friendship just doesn't make sense anymore. And you don't even like this person. Then at that point, you know, okay, Godspeed, you need to move on and things. Um, and then, you know, you're, you're probably gonna feel guilty because I think, you know, that you kind of created this cycle with her. Mm, yeah. You know, and that's what, that's what, that's what sucks. But friendships aren't, I mean, some friendships just aren't supposed to last forever. So I also feel like that's like a big hurdle for some, like a pattern that I see with clients is like clinging on to friendships that they've outgrown or like, you know, and that's okay. Like that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, I just think she really owes it to herself to not create this situation again, because I kind of do feel bad for the friend, even though I think friend needs help. (laughs) And I, you know, and I don't know if friend is a toxic person or not, that we don't have enough information here. So I'm going to go with the benefit of the doubt and just say that she's really in an unhappy place. And she's been using you as a crutch because when other people validate your reality and say me too, me too, me too, it does help. And it makes you feel less alone, but sometimes it normalizes it too much. Mm-hmm. It's like, Oh, everyone's miserable. So I guess I don't have to do anything about this. Like, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that's the thing. Like usually when I normalize in client sessions, there's a huge, but in the sentence. So it's like, yes, I felt this way before. Oh my gosh. I remember that. Yes. But that doesn't mean this is acceptable. Right. Right. Like we have shit feelings. We have shit situations. We have shit circumstances. That doesn't mean we just like lay down and accept the fact that like, this is life now. And it's just going to be miserable. It's like, no, you know, everyone's been at this place before too, but some people choose to do something about it. Mm -hmm. So anyway, yeah, I just, I think that you need to do some self-reflection and figure out how you got in this cesspool of a friendship in the first place. <laughs> I and, love that saying, cesspool. <laughs> and like, you know, you played ostrich too. You also were dodging the tough conversations you probably should have been having with your partner yeah. and not with your friend. And now that you're in a healthier relationship, you know, you don't have anything to vent about and you don't have anything to avoid. Yep. Okay. So just know that you were using this poor woman as an emotional crutch as well. And she's definitely using you. So maybe we stop the codependency now, even though I don't want to stop being codependent, but (laughs) I think you should. (laughs) I think you should. Okay. Elise, any other thoughts? No, I think we, I think we hit, hit them all. Cuckoo. All right. Next one. Hey, bless you fam. Oh, that's you and me. More fam. Hmm. I'm absolutely sick of dealing with his dilemma. So it's time I called in the professionals. Oh, we're professional. professional. For some background story, I've been with my boyfriend for six years now. We've gone through a lot of life together, and I think we're a better couple for it. I met him in high school. Wow. And we started out as friends. In fact, it was me, my now boyfriend, my best girlfriend, and another guy friend. Okay, this is gonna be hard to keep track of, who were all in a group together. So it's it's her boyfriend 
girlfriend, guy friend. Guy so friend yeah. Okay. Two girls, two boys. Okay. Uh, the other guy kind of disconnected from us once we got to college, but me, my boyfriend and my best friend are still very close. Us three went to college together, which is when my boyfriend and I decided we wanted to be more than just friends. Fast forward to post-grad life, my boyfriend, best friend, and I, <laughs> so hard, all live together in a two-bedroom apartment. Whoa. Okay. But here's where the dynamic gets tricky. Here, my best girlfriend is very outspoken, has very strong beliefs, and is very opinionated, and we love her for it. But I am more soft-spoken, definitely an introvert, and avoid conflict like the plague. My boyfriend is great at listening, so I usually just vent to him about any annoyances I have with her because his loyalty is to me. But recently, things have been coming up where my boyfriend plays the middleman and communicates things that I've told him to her with the intention of sticking up for me, and it's created a huge mess. This letter is a mess! I'm just- I don't know what's happening. Okay. They argue so much now and it's putting me in a difficult position. Now my best friend is venting to me about my boyfriend, when in reality, he's just a messenger here. And I'm the one who actually said the things she has a problem with. (laughs) I'm dead. (laughs) We are in this awkward triangle and I feel like I've dug myself in this deep hole and I don't know how to get out. I don't know how to get out. Okay. What do I do? Very complicated. I mean, what the fuck is happening? Okay. So let me try and explain this in layman's terms if I can. And at least you read this too. So let me know if you agree with me. So I don't even know why the other guy was mentioned. It's like, he's not even part of it. Uh, Letter writer, by the way, I love you. I'm not making fun of you. I write like this too. So I, I feel seen, but this is so amazing. Okay. So there's, so it's her and her best friend and her boyfriend and they all live together. Yeah. Okay. And then what's happening? And then the best friend is really opinionated and then, okay. And then boyfriend is listening to her vent and then tattling. Yes. To the best friend. I I saw, I read it as like we need to give them names. Okay. So, like, oh, 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 okay. Okay. So we have Bob, we Bob, have Kate, Kate, and we have Susie, Susie, Susie is opinionated. Susie's the friend. She's Susie's opinionated. The friend. Okay. 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 And then Kate is with Bob. Kate is with Bob. Okay. So Bob and Kate. Okay. So Kate <laughs> gets upset at what Susie is doing and talks to Bob. Bob's like, I'm going to go defend Kate to Susie and then Bob and Susie fight. And then Susie gets her feelings hurt and bitches about it to Kate. Right. All right. Y'all need to all move out. That's what's (laughs) just move. Just (laughs) cut your losses. Oh my God. I'm stressed out. Just reading this. This is like a soap opera. Okay. So Bob and Kate, if you want to have a roommate, that's fine. It needs to not be Susie. Yep. And then Susie needs to go live with another laid back person. Mm -hmm. And we call this a day. I mean, that's the solution here. I guess we should talk about the dynamics because hopefully they don't stop being friends. Mm -hmm. And this triangle is going to continue to exist and cause some issues. So Kate, woman up and start telling Susie what bothers you instead of relying on Bob? Because honestly, Bob is fighting your battles when he doesn't need to be. And that worries me a little bit that he thinks it's his responsibility to go and, you know, do your dirty work. And so I'm wondering where else is he doing that? 
mm-hmm. and are you becoming really reliant on him and are you mm. stopping your growth process and are you not becoming the full blown Kate we know that you can be mm. like saying that you're introverted is not an excuse saying that you don't like conflict is not an excuse I don't like it either neither does Elise but when someone comes and say hey heavy metals are why you're not getting pregnant I mean she's gonna say something she also doesn't like conflict but like we're so it's not yeah. an excuse you still have to deal with shit And like this shit, these are like life skills that will like that you have to learn at some point. Like Mm -hmm. you like there's things about life that just fucking suck. Okay. But you have to do them anyways. Like every time I have to pay my taxes, I literally have a panic attack and Callie has to walk me through it. Okay. That's not something I enjoy, but you have to fucking do it. You have Mm -hmm. to pay taxes. So you have to fucking suck it up and learn. It's like learning to have hard conversations with people that you love is literally a non-negotiable. It is, but we have, we have so many, we do have issues. We have issues. We have issues here. Even the fact that the three of you thought it was a good idea to move in together is a little interesting to me because, yeah. okay, there's, there's two ways to handle things. I, I find one is to face them head on and learn and grow from it. And two is to avoid avoiding is not always a bad thing. I don't like, I don't know, live with other people with my husband. I don't like you know, do things that are going to cause more stress on our marriage. I mean, actually point taken, Andrew's going to play in a pickleball tournament this weekend. And he wanted me to play with him. And I was like, do you want to play pickleball or do you want to get divorced? I mean, you know, like it's up to you. The choice is yours. So like, why the fuck would I play in a pickleball tournament with him when we're just going to fight the whole time? If I miss a shot, I'm going to be like, Oh my God, he's going to kill me. And then if like, he has a moment where he misses a shot and I try to make him feel better, he's going to be like, don't say that, you know, it's like, nope, nope. So we're avoiding it. Avoidance is not always a bad thing. Avoidance can be a beautiful thing. So the easiest solution here again is to avoid this dynamic by not living together. Mm -hmm. Easy. But the thing that you need to tackle head on is telling people yourself when things rub you the wrong way and not getting other people involved. You Mm -hmm. are a pot stirrer. Mm. Yeah, totally. And I mean, it sounds like maybe her friend, what's uh, Susie, it like intimidates her a little bit because she's soft-spoken and the other, the Susie's opinionated. And maybe that creates some sort of dynamic where she feels like she can't get a say, but then you need to communicate to Susie, like what you need from her in your interaction. So you need to say like, Hey, this is hard for me to get out, but please just like, listen and hear me out. And then we can have a conversation. If you need to write down your thoughts, I tell this to people all the time who are like empaths and who get overcome with emotion. Like sometimes it's hard for me to have hard conversations because I just feel so deeply that I like lose the point. So I write that shit down. If you need to write down every single point in like a a safe space where you feel like you're very clear on what you want to communicate, do that. And then bring fucking notes and sit down and communicate what you need and have those conversations. But it's like nothing that, I mean, this whole dynamic feels like very murky water because it's messy. Yeah. It's It's just super messy. messy. And then, you know, and then you're, I mean, yeah, it's just not a good situation. No. And I will say for the Susie's in the world, and this is an overgeneralization, I don't care. A lot of times they are so tough as steel that when someone says that they don't like something, they're like, okay, (laughs) you know, it's like, okay, sure. You know, like if, especially like boisterous people with like lots of opinions and lots of strong feelings, it's like, they seem strong because they have a bunch of opinions, but in reality, 
the second someone comes up and says like, actually that doesn't work for me. A lot of times they're like, Oh, okay, cool. What does, Mm -hmm. you know, or like, if you have an opinion, say it. Like the only reason I'm taking charge here is because no one else is saying shit. So (laughs) say something. Also, it's no one else's responsibility except for yours to tell someone how you feel about something. Mm-hmm. It, it People, I, I have this conversation all the time with clients because it's like, you know, is she mad at me? Does she know how I feel? It's like, people are not psychics. People do, cannot read your mind. If you feel some type of way about something, it is no one else's responsibility. Not fucking Bob's, not fucking Bob's mom, not your mom, Kate. It is your responsibility to communicate to the people in your life, how you feel about things. Mm-hmm. I'm like less concerned with this dynamic because again, like moving out is going to solve it. And like, hopefully Susie's a champ and hopefully Kate once she starts exercising, sharing her opinion, it becomes easier. And then the two of them mm-hmm. find a new rhythm. Bobby, yeah. <laughs> why are you going out and acting like a knight in shining armor when your girlfriend, Kate, is more than capable of doing things herself? You're enabling her. That's and Kate, thing. I know you're strong enough to do this yourself. And so you have someone who's like picking your battles for you, which I also don't like. But like, again, I said this earlier, but like, where else is this dynamic happening? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I like to, I like kind of resonate with, with Kate, Kate. Yeah. I kind of resonate with Kate because I feel like when Carl and I first got together, I like kind of was like, can you please do all the hard things for me? And he was like, no, no, no. Like we're going to, he like pushes me to do things that I'm not comfortable with. And like, you know, allows me to grow out of my comfort zone and like do hard things and tackle them like a boss ass bitch that I am. And then like grow from it, you know? So it's like, you're Mm -hmm. enabling is it right. Like Mm -hmm. you're not giving her an opportunity to really like be the badass that she is. Yeah. And Kate, you want to be with someone who really allows you to grow and not and like there's a fine line between bullying someone to grow and then like allowing yeah. and encouraging someone to grow not everyone is meant for each other I mean I you know Andrew is a big like what is it teach a man uh to fish and he'll eat every day of his life like so anytime I ask for something he's like I'm gonna teach you how to do it and I'm like that's not what I want <laughs> I just want you to do it for me yeah. and like unless it requires height I'm probably SOL I mean don't get me wrong he does a lot of stuff for me I'm not trying to say he doesn't do things for me he does but his go-to is I'm going to teach her how to do it mm-hmm. I don't know how that dynamic worked in some of his previous relationships I don't think it worked that well and I think that Andrew sometimes didn't understand that not everyone wants that or is even capable mm-hmm. of certain levels of growth so I think in certain relationships he can come across as a bully uh, and, but it compliments me really well. And so I think everyone needs to find that threshold that they have, yeah. uh, because I'm not trying to say that everyone needs to be in a relationship where it's like, you get up in the morning and it's another challenge. <sighs> Woo! Like, no, that's not it. But okay. This is like low hanging fruit girl. I mean, you can do this, especially because this isn't even like a random roommate. This yeah. is your best friend, girl. Yeah, totally. This is your bestie. Uh, and so we need some space from Bestie. We need our own living quarters, please. And thank you. Yeah. But we also need to figure out why aren't you wanting to help your relationship with your best friend grow and flourish by using honesty and vulnerability. And is your boyfriend stepping in and doing things for you that are preventing and stalling your own personal growth? 
Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean this relationship is bound to die. I'm not saying it's the wrong match, but I am saying maybe you need to have a tough conversation. It's like, okay, now I know what I want to say. It's like, yes, you need to have some tough conversations with Susie, but I think you have to have tougher ones with Bobby. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Like, I think this is actually a letter about Kate and Bob mm-hmm. and not about Bob and Susie. Mm-hmm. Cause she really wanted it to be about Bob and Susie. Yep. But Kate, it's, it's about you, Kate. It's about you, boo boo. It's about you. So it's going to be a little messy in the beginning. Tough conversations are tough for a reason. You get better at them with age and not because age brings you wisdom, but because you have more time to have these stupid, tough conversations that you don't want to have. Uh, but you can do it. You can do it. And if you want to practice working on your autonomy and your courage and your vulnerability, that's what blush does. Come on, come on, Kate. You're in the right place. So yeah, everyone use promo code blush you for 25% off your first month, all caps. And then if you have a story, can you share it with me? I want to read it. Even like a, a letter just like that, where I was like, I swear to God, like I read it before we got on this one. Like, I, obviously we read all the letters before we like, you know, we select them or whatever. And like, I read it a few times and I was like, wait, what? And I was like, ah, it'll click when we're recording. It did not. <laughs> uh, like I got that it was about boundaries, but I was like, wait, what? So, and I still loved it. Like, I still feel like this turned out to be a great episode. So Same. write to us, please. Uh, our submissions are slowing down and we want more. So blush you at joinblush.com, please. And thank you. Elise, do you have anything else to add? Mm, no, I don't. <laughs> that is all. Nope. Okay, it's, great. It's uh, wine o'clock for me. Oh yeah. I know. That's the thing with not doing a transfer right now. It's like, I, I just want to like be buzzed like all yeah. the time. Yeah. It's like you want to do the things that you know that you can't do. Yeah. I literally, when it, when I like Carl and I sat down after we found out it was negative and it was like, okay, let's think of all the things that I can do now. I can drink wine. Okay. I can take baths. Yes. I can stop injecting my ass with needles. I could, you know, all these things that I could do now. So I'm like taking advantage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well go get you some Savi Blanc yeah. and, uh, we will see you guys, you know, maybe next week if we get around to it, hopefully. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bye friends. Bye.